Well, cool. And, and like I said, thank you for the nice comments before we started. That means a lot. Um, so what, why, why don't we do this thing, man? Why don't we, why don't we kick it off as I throw my joint on the ground, the joint that I worked so hard to roll. Oh, yes. Unfortunately, yeah, so. it's not like you smoked it all and you just like threw it on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, it's easy enough to pick up. So um, cheers uh, to a, to another day in the books. Um, Steve, welcome to the Chillinois podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me in Chillinois. Yeah, for sure. Um, do, give a, give yourself a little bit of introduction, an introduction for folks that don't know who you are and, uh, maybe plug some of your social medias or whatever. Word, word. My name's Steve Eigenman. I'm from Minnesota and I got into the Minnesota hemp industry at the end of 2018. And Minnesota is behind the times uh, when it comes to cannabis legalization. So since I've been involved, I've been able to see how hemp and cannabis is attempting to get legalized and regulated. And that's been really interesting. Uh, I think I'm passionate about hemp for so many reasons, but the reemergence of agriculture in the Midwest really entices me. It interests me. It brings me back to the idea of agriculture, which I think is easy to forget about and get lost when you're living in the city. Like I live in Minneapolis. It's a big city. Uh, it's been in the news, you know, the last couple of years, it's certainly has its uh, pluses and minuses, but the Minnesota hemp industry is like the community that I you know, see the most of within the Minnesota or within cannabis. And then my, my social media basically is learning as I go, you know, discovering new things, discovering new things. I love new industry and that, that opportunity in hemp is super cool. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you because due to the laws that we have, our experience is completely different than the laws and the experience that you have, but that's also true in every state. It's just unique for us because Minnesota and Illinois are relatively close to each other. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the, the difference. I mean, from your perspective, I mean, it, I think that's interesting. It would be interesting to hear, you know, cause some people that live in Illinois, they're just like, used to be in in illinois you know and, and we kind of you know some people may even take legal cannabis for granted so what, what's mm. it like from your perspective yeah definitely you're, you're seeing some envious eyeballs when minnesotans are checking out your grow tent that's for sure um you know one thing that i point towards is the educational process that minnesotans in the hemp industry are having to go through and Easiest, easiest, like, and most kind of fun example is like learning about minor cannabinoids. And like for the greater majority of Minnesotans, like if they're going to get some new, like cutting edge product, it's a THCO gummy or a Delta 10 pen. Uh, like Delta 8 is, is passe because there's, there's already been three or four new, like better hitting synthetic cannabinoids. Like, yeah, I call it the, the cap cannabis, 
Sorry, I can't speak. I started smoking and now I can't speak. <laughs> the cannabinoid of the week. <laughs> so, oh, you know, we're just going word. through, you know. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Word week as in two e's. At first, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Were, cannabinoid at first of the. I yes. you were slapping us because because we don't have like. No, 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 no. As in, like it's it's the hot thing of this week of this week, you know. Uh, but then next week it's going to be something else. It's going to be THCV or something like that. I don't know. So. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You, you catch my drift. Oh, hey, uh, hmm. am I am I fading out for you? Am I all good? It just said my internet connection is unstable, which I've never seen it say before. So I think it might be on my end. Am I good for you? You're pretty good. Yeah, you surf. You surf. You surfed a wave there for like five seconds, but I I kept up. Okay, I'm so I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, uh, hold on a sec. I'll uh, disconnect my phone and everything. Pardon the technical interruption, Illinois. Um, yeah. So I was saying, um, I, I did. I was not dissing you. I was saying like uh, the the cannabinoid of the week or the cannabinoid of the moment, and that next week there's going to be a new cannabinoid like THCW or something like that. You know. Right. Right. Which has its pluses and minuses. It's great that we're discovering and putting more cannabinoids out into the world and available for consumption, but it's also complicated. Yeah, it and, is complicated. Uh, like, can I, yeah. oh, sorry. I didn't, I feel like I just about cut you off. Go ahead. You're, no, no. I, I mean, I want to float on that topic and, and kind of bringing it back to like Minnesota versus Illinois. Like, sure. We, we are like being, the writing is already on the wall right now that the black market will grow and continue because we're an educated consumer base or we at least have the opportunity to be educated. And I think the chasm, the chasm that people get stuck in is um, not to pick on anybody, but like a retail store might sell you 25 milligrams of Delta eight or 50 milligrams of Delta eight in a gummy. Let's, let's use 50 because th then you're swimming in the deep end a little bit. And if you, if you consume a 50 milligram D eight and you're not ready, or you didn't know what you were going to feel, then that is not the same thing as, as CBD, but we wouldn't be discovering cannabinoids every week if we had regular legalization. Yeah. Uh, but I think I, I agree with what you're saying. However, you know, Delta eight has been in can in Illinois cannabis dispensaries. Hell they were, I saw Delta eight pins. Um, I, I saw it and this person was explaining to me and they're like trying to explain it to me. And I'm like, am I going to get high from this thing? Like, can you just, you know, and they were like, yeah, yeah, kinda, kinda, you know, but it's different. So mm -hmm. like, I get what you're saying. Like definitely, the, so I think what you're trying to point out is that the farm bill has caused this like preponderance of synthetic cannabinoids. And you're, I guess what you're saying is, is that maybe it wouldn't be so dicey if they would just legalize it, you know, instead of keeping it in the shadows. Is that what you're trying to say? I like what you're saying. Where I would add to is the farm bill and the motivation and marketing around CBD. Yeah. Yet the FDA dragging their fucking feet on right. beverages and food created a giant surplus 
some biomass, some converted into oil form. And that's when D8 became the uh, lifeboat, like the raft that CBD industry grasped onto in order to move their product. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. That's and- deep. And, and I've been watching the show on Hulu, Dope Sick, and the FDA is known to fuck around. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, they won't even. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, uh, so I get what you're saying now. It took me a second to understand what you meant, but I, I guess what I, the, the side are I, coming at it from two different angles. You're, you're probably like, I'm not even going to get high on this. Some well, people are, some people I, are like, I'm getting high on this. Right. Right. What I was thinking about is just that like, at the point I try to make all the time is that, you know, people point out that we talk a lot about like five to 10 cannabinoids, like THC, CBD, CBN, TH, mm-hmm. you know, and it's starting to grow to, like I say, 10, where you might see more on your label. But really, it's like even most people just buy their weed by THC percentage. But what 100. I guess we're, what we're starting to see is this, like, uh, I think push towards the not like, push towards understanding the other cannabinoids because um, I think it's in the spirit of like the entourage effect kind of, I know the entourage yeah, effect is, is usually, I, I feel like the entourage effect is usually u- used to describe like how terpenes complement a smoke or whatever. But True. like, I really, I really feel like the cannabinoids should, and maybe, maybe people do mean it that way, but I, if not, I think cannabinoids should be included in uh, that blanket term entourage effect because I guess, you know, the point I've been trying to make recently is that the THC percentage doesn't equate to potency. And I mean, the THCO is a, is a amazing testament to that. Right. And I was just really quick. If you could tell us a little bit about THCO or what you know about it, because I just, I'm just going to read a headline from our friend, Tom Shuba, and then, you know, just a couple short words, and then maybe you can expound, but mm-hmm. he just wrote an article January 14th in the Chicago Sun Times, um, that Chicago stores are, quote, exploiting a legal loophole to sell THCO, a psychedelic three times stronger than weed. Um, the, the obviously, headlines can be a little to the point or whatever, but like, what's your take on THCO? Okay, word. Yeah. So I've, I've taken THCO products, I've consumed them sitting on the couch, I've consumed them actively doing stuff. Before I give my final thoughts on THCO, I want to complete the idea because the idea that these cannabinoids haven't been researched is potentially what's preventing us from referring it, re- referring to it commonly as the entourage effect. But because we have linalool and all these beta carophylline terpenes that are existing in other products, we're able to study that and we're able to put truth to science and then uh, utilize that to talk about full spectrum and 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 now I'm having those same conversations that you're having, where if you look at a 5,000 milligram full spectrum CBD oil, which is a pretty high strength product, I would say medical grade, if extracted properly, you flip that bottle around like you're saying, you you scan the QR code and you open up the COA, you're going to see a lot of delta eight in there, 
you're going to see trace amounts of delta nines, CBC, CBN, CBG, like 100 on that. THCO is proportionally three times stronger, but weed is not one thing. And so you cannot say it's three times stronger than weed because right. of the entourage effect in the, right. in, in, the, in the backdoor element of that. So there's elements of that where I think THCO can be really strong, but I've been way higher off smoking uh, traditional cannabis than I have been off THCO. But I would say if you, if you take like t- over 20 milligrams, you're, you might feel some psychedelic effects off that. Interesting. Interesting. And it's an isomer. It's an, it's, so it's THC acetate. So it's the isomer of the molecule THC. And so even saying that out loud science, a portion of that is going to give you a super uh, lifted effect. And, and I've driven on it and I felt like super, super focused, whereas I didn't even want to have a conversation with anyone next to me, but I was in my head and that's where the psychedelic element of it is. Interesting. Um, well, cool. Thank you for, for yeah, telling us a little bit about THCO. Um, and yeah, any other thoughts though? Cause I, yeah, I'm all right, right on the same page with you and I, I'm glad you made sure to step back and, and finish that point. Um, because like you say, you run a test and, and there's, there's all these cannabinoids. And in fact, like some of the tests, depending on the test you're running, they may not even actually test for all the active cannabinoids. And I think I was talking to, I think, Orego Labs. Uh, it, like it requires like a some crazy, crazy machine. I don't know if you know anything about um, the testing. So like not only to even detect those other cannabinoids, mm-hmm. um, do you need like crazy machinery? But then there's the fact that, like you said, we're kind of in this catch-22 conundrum because they won't let us study these cannabinoids. So even if you can test for them, it's like what they even do and what they mean. Yeah. It's it's hard to draw conclusions. I think, I think we all agree that it shouldn't be schedule one and, and it's, it's so complicated because it's been stepped on for, uh, we're coming up on a hundred years. Like you're in our lifetime, we'll see the prohibition of marijuana for over a hundred years, which yeah. is so fucked. And the science behind it, it's just, it's just so twisted. I mean, I made a shirt. This is the shirt I wanted to send you. And it was, um, it was a huge oversized back graphic that said grow hemp for the war. Yeah. And that was a, that was like a slogan from the military back in the thirties, maybe the late forties or early forties. And I want to expand on that. I want to make a t-shirt that says grow hemp for the war on drugs. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Cause it's one step closer to legalization. if, If we can all grow hemp. Yeah. And then the spirit of that, just cause like, I, I feel like I know what that era is from. Like we've mentioned it on the show folks, but if, if you haven't heard like hemp for victory, search it up. It's a black and white United States government film 
that was made during World War II and released in 1942, explaining the uses of hemp, encouraging farmers to grow as much as possible. During World War II, the marijuana tax, as it's spelled, uh, Act of 1937 was lifted briefly to allow for hemp fiber production to create ropes for the U.S. Navy, but after the war, hemp reverted to its de facto illegal status. And just a quick fact to close, um, the government actually denied ever having made such a film, and before 1989, the film was relatively unknown. Um, two VHS copies were recovered and donated to the Library of Congress on, uh, the, on May 19th, 1989 by Maria Farrow, Carl Packard, and Jack Herrera. By the book, by the book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes by Jack Herrera. That's the book that'll teach you everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's crazy in retrospect. My grandma used to read that book to me as a kid. That's, I don't know. Wow. And I was born in 1989. Wow. Yeah. See, so it's just crazy though, that, that, that all that happened. I I love the, the idea, man. Um, I love the idea. If I can add another idea in the bank, hemp for victory, you know, since that was the name of the war on drugs. (laughs) So (laughs) hemp for the victory on the war of the war yeah the war yeah i like how there's a band called the war on drugs that always makes me laugh when i see that on my uh car radio right right well hell yeah man um so tell us i mean so it sounds like i mean it sounds like minnesotans were really or have been really affected by everything that's been going on because it's really your only opportunity at this point to kind of participate in what you would call a legal cannabis industry Right. You guys don't have medical or adult use or anything, right? No, actually that's, um, Oh, I see, which I see where I was confused. Yeah. We have, we have a medical program that's been around for like one and a half governors. Oh, okay. And the, the first license went to some decent people, some medical and some smart people that, that had PhDs and, in chemistry. And then the other one went to, as I know it, uh, the family that owns one of the nicest like nurseries in the cities has a large like business in Minneapolis with flowers and gardening. Um, I don't know much about the family and like the money behind it, but what happened recently was that they sold their license to a small little company in Chicago called Green Thumb Industries. Yeah, that little company. A formerly formerly Baywater Uranium. Is that right? Hell, I don't know, but that sounds creepy enough to be right. Tell me how creepy legal cannabis is in Illinois. It's not very (laughs) Chillinois, is it? No, it's not very Chillinois. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. I was gonna, I was working up to ask you what's been going on with GTI. I noticed you were making posts about that lately. So good on you for, uh, spreading the good word on, on, on their tactics, especially, you know? Yeah, we have, we got to keep, 
that's that's only the beginning man we have to make it really obvious that consumers do not want their dispensaries and their employee practices um, yeah i thought it was just outrageous that like daniel daniel corral pointed out that uh they they even i think they still have it on their website they just call it prohibition 2.0 somewhere somewhere oh yeah and i don't know it, it just makes so much sense because it's like like when you especially when you view it through the lens of like limited licensing only it, it's like yeah uh we we are the only legal producers everybody else like prohibition still stands you can't grow your own cannabis and make a living off of it you know and like i know how you always bat bat down like there's caps to how much you can grow yeah and that's to me that's like one of the fondest points that i continually hear from your platform and honestly i think that's a good platform i think that's a good policy like as i've gotten into cannabis i realize that i can be more of a single term uh single term issue single issue voter yeah because it's like well i mean i want to work and live in this industry why not make that the biggest deal you know and 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 why not consider you know other other ideas because the governor in minnesota has campaigned on cannabis legalization and at the lowest point of his ratings he mentioned cannabis legalization and so he so they toy with it interesting you, you can't believe you can't believe them you know you have to look at like like i i'm in the last 10 years like ron paul was a candidate you know and ron paul wanted to end the fed and and he would have legalized cannabis and i i think we're losing out on like even bernie got co-opted you know so it's like we're losing out on these like long-term never going to change my mind type of you know politicians that could have moved could have moved things progressively forward and yeah unfortunately i think they're both both sides are kind of on the same team in some ways well i think what just needs to happen is there's going to be like um so here's the thing like this is my pessimistic viewpoint on it like Mm -hmm. just think about how I've been thinking about um, like if you look at the concentration of who owns the media and if you look at the concentrate, like if you look at who owns the, the food chain, you know, the supply mm-hmm. chain of food, mm-hmm. it, it always like you trace it back to very few sources like Nestle fucking, you know, like as, as far Cargill. as food let's pick on our own Cargill. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm too stoned thinking of any other names. No, everybody um, talks about Nestle and 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 the big European giants, but like I come from not far from where Cargill headquarters is, and and they are a very large company. Yeah. It, well, so that my point is like we'd be silly to think if cannabis weren't wasn't going to swing the same way. Like I know that we all don't want it to, <laughs> but yeah. um, that's not how politics works in America. Like special interests have mm-hmm. more money they pull it all in packs because that's legal and mm-hmm. um 
they're going to get their way the way they want it. And that's kind of like how it happened with, with Illinois cannabis. And dude, honestly, Mm. I've been so like, I'm still learning. I try to say that a lot. I'm still learning, but I was, I kind of had the epiphany just a little bit ago when you were talking about legal cannabis. And it's just like one of the biggest bait and switches I think I've ever seen in politics it just shows you that like i'm not trying to like destroy faith in our institutions or anything i'm just trying to hold our elected officials accountable and the 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 bottom line is like it just seems like every most bills you've seen like with limited licensing um like it just is is in favor of special interests right people that can basically pay a lot of money to get what they want so like illinois California, Arizona, um, New York, like these states where all these companies we're talking about operate. And the reason that they don't show up in places like Oklahoma is because they couldn't compete with with the free market. Um, they've got to have a limited market, you know what I mean? Um, and so, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I, I really don't think that like if we see legalization at a, at a national scale, mm-hmm. that it's just going to be, um, I don't think it's going to be the, the, the way that the, like, I'm just not no. optimistic about it. I guess I'm saying not at all. Minnesota's getting their first dose of like political reality with cannabis legalization when a program, a medical program that was written to have minnesota companies be a be the medical program well that's changing now with with green thumb industries or what i refer to it just as like three thumbs down and the other part is the reason they're selling their license is because they weren't able to make money and they lost 2.8 million dollars in a in a single year which is a taxpayer write-off so we were funding some of their some of their business but the laws were written in a way that it had to be an extracted product so so the reason you don't know that minnesota has a medical program is because we're selling flour in a couple months for the first time to our medical patients and the medical the number of medical patients in minnesota is 30% lower or something considerably lower than what they projected because the average cost for medical patients to get their cannabis is over $300 a month. And there's a fee to be a part of the program, which is like $200 to join the program, which is very cost prohibitive for some people. Right. That's fucking crazy. That's I, yeah, I didn't know that. So thanks for breaking that down. Perspective like that is good to, is good for people like us in Illinois. It might make us feel a little bit, you know, more grateful for what we have. I'm not saying we have anything great, but Hey, the fact that we can grow with the medical card is pretty fucking awesome. I was trying to look up. Oh, go ahead. I would love to, I would love for, I would love to see your grow because that's gotta be one of the happiest things about your life in Illinois. Yeah, dude. Like, and we're talking in the next legislative session about giving everybody, all adults, the right to grow. And that's, that's gotta be the next thing. Cause this, like you said, this is what got me off on this huge tangent is you brought up uh, what I talk, when I talk about possession limits, you basically triggered me. I'm joking. I'm like trying to make you laugh, (laughs) but uh, 
um, it's because like that is that really is like I'm trying to I'd like to talk about other things on this podcast, but just something as simple as that really bothers me. The fact that in a lot of states that have quote unquote legalized cannabis, like you can't grow. Like I was literally, I'm trying to find it right now. There was a state, I was reading it on MJ Biz Daily, but I can't find it right now. They just legalized cannabis, but they needed to, they said they were delaying home grow. And the governor's reason for it was just so fucking crazy. It was like something about, it was hilarious. It just shows you, like I said, special, how special interests really influence politics. He literally said something to the effect of um, like, well, the industry hasn't even started yet. We, you know, we don't uh, know how this will all work out. It's like that. If you're, that doesn't matter. If you're saying cannabis is legal, then people should be able to cultivate and possess as much as they want. That's what legal means to me. It means that, you can't go to jail for it, right? That's I, I thought. Like it's weird how legal all of a sudden didn't mean that. <laughs> like, right? Dude, there's so many laws. You know, like I got handed a sheet of paper today. There's nine different bills that are trying to get passed in the legislature on hemp, and in theory, like if you break one of those, it's illegal, right? And I learned today that weed is decriminalized, but vape carts are not. So vape carts can get you a felony, but weed is decriminalized in Minnesota. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So what the, the, the vape pens are different all of a sudden. So you're a criminal if you've got it in the vapor form. Um, yeah, because they didn't, they didn't take the time to incorporate the language right. that relates to the users and the consumers of that industry. They didn't do their job. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, like I say, it just seems like the laws are crafted to protect the cultivators. I don't know when this show that we're, that we're on right now will air, but one of the things I, I was sitting with uh, some reporters from the Chicago Sun-Times and they were talking about how like, recalls in illinois for example on products are really between the state and the cultivator and they kind of give the cultivator the option of making a public statement or not and if and they can just keep it between like you know them and the dispensary and um it's just interesting to me that the law is written in a way that protects people in those situations like to me a recall should be man like that should be like a, a thing that at, like that's what I use as an advocate. You know, some people point out there's been recalls in a, in a lot of other states or in Canada, for example. I'm like, hey, that's a, that's an example of the system working. You know, just like there are uh, recalls in auto manufacturing and other food industries. Like, sorry, there's going to be some recalls in cannabis, and that's a, that's an example of legal cannabis working, in my opinion. You know, but if if we've got this law set up so that it shields that from happening like that's kind of fucked up and it's just another example i think of special interests um involved in the crafting of the law hey i, I just wanted true. to say real Good quick point. it was new jersey i was talking about apparently um incoming state senator said he did not see home grow happening right now because permitting home cultivation would only further the illicit cannabis market it's like no it wouldn't <laughs> like p- giving people the 
civil liberty to grow their own cannabis just like they can with tomatoes like i you know yeah I yeah, just don't. it's the problem that you don't go. It's that you'll stop buying the tomatoes at Whole Foods if you start growing the tomatoes in your basement. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to, if folks wanted to look it up, it's New Jersey. So, anyways, man, yeah. So, what can I ask you? What what would your uh, what is your hopes for Minnesota? Like, do you have any high hopes of like things correct correcting course? Do you have a good um? presence like politically um that you can lean on like is your normal local normal good or what's going on there i know i threw yeah, a lot of sure. questions I, at you I'll, I'll i'll shed some light on uh some things that are happening some people that are moving there's you know fundraising is the most important part of all of this we're all people like we all have things to do and minnesota hemp is a small industry i would say generally speaking like the language that you use to describe the people that provide the products is different to me. Like to me, it still feels super local, which is probably a dope feeling that I'll look back on, but like now it just seems normal. And uh, speaking of normal, there's a group in Minnesota, Minneapolis Normal, Minnesota Normal, Michael Ford runs the program and they are organizing with the DFL on how to caucus for cannabis. Um, I'm trying to shed more light onto MN Normal this year and try to work in cohesion with them. Uh, Canna MN is like a media and events company. So if they're throwing events, I'm going to be plugging them. Uh, then there's sensible change and the policy director is Marin Schroeder and she worked to expand raw cannabis and the conditions for medical cannabis. So it includes now chronic pain uh, as, and there's another one that she helped that made it significantly better, but we still need something less than chronic pain because like acute pain would, would ideally be a lot better for medical yeah she's working to reduce the patient registration fee that couple hundred dollar uh, fee that i was telling you about and ideally what could happen for the hemp industry and this is really what we need to you know work towards is we need to see that there's more licenses for the medical cannabis industry for local companies i know cbd companies people behind them and they're like well if I make a good enough product and the dispensaries are able to sell CBD edibles, why can't I sell CBD edibles too? They're, they're licensed in the hemp pilot program. So what's the, what's the chasm that they have to cross in order to become medical providers? Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is Illinois law. Actually, if you want to, maybe that's a good thing thing to look at illinois law um allows for hemp producers to provide like distillate or something i i don't know the the all the terms you know but um they can provide cbd i guess into the legal cannabis industry it's a weird clause and for a while 
um, like after adult use, we saw a lot of like three to one carts and I swear it was no coincidence. I swear it was no coincidence. Folks, if you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to our episodes with the Illinois Hemp Growers Association. They were actually very, actually, that's a great episode to listen to because they do know the language of the law, Steve. So homework for you. If you want to maybe learn how to get, um, get your foot in the door in, in a ancillary way like that. Hey, that might just be the way just, just saying you just connected a fucking, uh, th- I've not thought of the, the, that episode for a long time. So that might, what be is her name? The, uh, the head of the, uh, Rachel Berry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's great. Hemp, hemp mama Ray. Yep. She's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that it, it, you don't even have to check out that podcast. It sounds like you know her. You can probably reach out, and I bet you she can tell more about because because I think the Illinois Hemp Growers Association was really happy about that, or at least they sounded like it when we initially talked uh, the opportunities it would present. One thing that they were a little bit frustrated about, I will say, and maybe you could bring this into your conversation. I think people will find this interesting as well. It's not limited to Illinois hemp farmers, so. The weird thing is, is that, that that would have been nice, you know, like I'm not trying to say that Minnesota, Minnesotans shouldn't have a chance in the Chilinoy market, Steve, like no offense, but that would be cool. Like technically speaking, you do, it sounds like, um, but that would, it would be cooler in my opinion. And I'm just saying, if you want to kind of close it off to Minnesota, consider this. Um, I think it would be cooler if it was like only Illinois hemp farmers could contribute to the Illinois cannabis industry. But again, I'm not trying to closed doors for anybody everybody deserves an opportunity (laughs) so yeah there's a weird there's a weird this is this is throughout society but there's this weird nationalism that takes place oh yeah um, dude local categories like like let's pick on sports you like minneapolis and st paul st paul more so is really close to wisconsin you know, it's like a half hour's reach of Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota and Wisconsin have this extremely competitive rivalry. And dude, Chicago, the Bears yeah. and the Packers, bro. The How Bears about that? And the Packers, yeah. I literally saw somebody get their ass beat at uh, Soldier Field just because he was wearing a Packers jersey. Like he didn't do anything. He didn't do but, anything at all. These people, and I don't know, maybe these people, I have no idea. Maybe he did say something. Maybe he said something horrible but I was a a small child walked into the restroom in soldier field and just, you know, was going about my business and I just heard uh, something fucking cheese head. And then um, fists were flying and I ran out of there because I was just like, Oh my God, like it was crazy. You know, anyways, though, in fact, I went to soldier field for the first time this year. Really? It's a pretty cool looking stadium. It's like a fucking spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. All the good ones are. (laughs) <laughs> so anyways i just i was trying to prove your point that sports true. and little it's teams true, things can make people crazy you know but um we have the ability to sell our oil to the medical programs and there there's like some shit talk from the like underground market more so saying like if you're a hemp grower who sells distillate to the medical program like you're selling out interesting and and it's like well yeah maybe but i'm like selling to the available market which isn't very large right now so 
Yeah, what do you want me it. to do? Exactly. The um, only opportunities you have. Yeah. So there's another organization, Mar- uh, Minnesotans for Responsible Marijuana Regulation. And that's the group that I was introduced to first. They, they organized and were working through 2018 and 2019 and made some, wave, made some waves in 2019. Um, they want to fix the medical cannabis bill. They want to fix sentencing for criminals. They, you know, they want to address the disparities between black and white arrests in you know within cannabis marijuana laws i guess you could say and grassroots work but the more of the grassroots organization is is i don't know it's like funny because there's a there's black and white disparity in the minnesota hemp industry and and the minnesota normal and minnesota marijuana like those organizations bring out predominantly african-american people and the Minnesota Hemp Association or Minnesota Hemp Industry events are 95% Caucasian, you know, 90% male. And so Minnesota has this purple problem because we're in the city, we're densely located in the Twin Cities, which is more diverse and progressive. But then the large amount of the city outside of the Twin Cities is farmland and lake country. And, and so we have like a divided Senate. We have a Republican Senate and a Democratic uh, or Democrat House of Representatives, and then a Democrat governor that only touches cannabis legalization when, is, when he's in hot water. So that's where, when we were talking about politics before, Minnesota is in a weird place. And especially given George Floyd and uh, Kim Potter and Dante Wright, who was murdered, (laughs) was accidentally murdered by Kim Potter. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty confusing time to be fighting for your right in Minneapolis. Yeah. There's some crazy shit going on in Minnesota, bro. (laughs) Yeah. I'm part of it. You guys need some weed. You guys need more weed. We need more weed. We do. And, and I saw someone say uh, on my Instagram this week, don't, don't buy weed from bankers. I think that, I think that'd be a funny, uh, I think that'd be a funny t-shirt. That would be a funny t-shirt. I like it. I like it. Yeah, dude, I need to get a fucking t-shirt press to start making t-shirts with little funny sayings like that. Are you a DIY kind of guy? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I try to be, but I have like really low confidence in everything that I do. <laughs> so I got to like do a lot of research first and figure out if it's too complicated for me or if I got to ask Justine for help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And are you guys engaged? Uh, no, we are not. We're not. Okay. But you live together, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's the situation I'm into. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, have talked to her about it. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm always too high, but I just don't get like, like, I like the idea of marriage. Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, I don't understand what the state, like, why do I have to go to a courthouse and write like sign a paper and like, why does government have to know? And like, you know, 
Like, why can't yeah, it I just think... be like, hey, I love you. And like, I love you for the rest of my life. And that that's, that's, why wasn't that good enough? <laughs> I, I think if you own Bitcoin, you, you have thoughts like the, that around marriage. Yeah, I don't own Bitcoin. I used, you know, it's crazy. Oh, man, you just bringing up memories, but this is a really depressing one. I once spent like four Bitcoin on like, I don't know, uh, an ounce of weed or something. It was like 200 wow. bucks or something like that. Because back in the day, Bitcoin was a lot. I mean, I, I used to have like 10, 15 Bitcoin, and but I would just... <laughs> use it on stupid shit on the black market um okay like on, word. on the dark web yeah but, uh, it's just crazy to think about that because you know you look at the price of a bitcoin back in the day and to think that i was throwing around four or five eight you know it's like god damn it if i would have just saved those but it's just like back then nobody nobody thought that it would be that they were just like oh this is a really cool way to transfer money you know between mm-hmm. people and it'd it be anonymous like to oh, me, it, it was never looked at like an investing thing. Like you buy it and you hold it. You know what I mean? It's utilization. No, let me, let me take over, man. Like, th- like utilization is everything. It's not. So like when you're telling me that, cause I, you know, that's crazy, but I'm not going to like clown you because that wasn't why you had it. That wasn't why you acquired it. And for me, I spent a significant amount of money and, a fair amount of time in my twenties with a, with a group of college uh, friends on a startup, you know, I, like I invested in their startup and they moved out to San Francisco and they made connections and they got VC money. And then they moved down to LA and to launch the company. And, and it was crazy. And like, it was a, a wild ride. Like I got to go to South by Southwest and do a lot of fun things and learned, like I learned and experienced things. And like, that's how I spent, my money. That's how I spent my time. And did it work? Like I didn't get a whopping return on it, but I'm also not going to kick myself anymore because you did some shit that no one else did. You know, like you got to, you got to learn how the the black market works and you got to like functionally use Bitcoin. A lot of the, the threat around Bitcoin is nobody wants to use it because they just want to like save it and, and like, the, the, then the utilization falls apart true yeah and everybody's just hoarding it and that's why there's such like an environmental issue with bitcoin yeah why can't you guys why can't you people just spend bitcoin and buy drugs like fucking i used to do which is like normal people right i'm just i really wanted at the meeting today it was, there was a legislative session planning round table meeting and i was i was there on behalf of canna mn and my hemp apparel company serves the Minnesota hemp industry and my hemp media company, you know, clean green media is the name of the company. And we have clients in the Minnesota hemp industry. So I was there today and like, I, I, I didn't ask, but I wanted to ask, well, like, what's the deal with mushrooms? Exactly. <laughs> you know, bro. Like, like well, Hey, if we're going to talk about legalizing cannabis, like let's get mushrooms on the table as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No reason not to. It's no reason not to. Um, right. Straight up. Yeah. Um, damn. Well, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, 
it, so so what kind of uh to tell us a little bit more like you know you said you were at a meeting today what kind of what kind of stuff do you are you know like is there anything i guess up upcoming that how often do you get an opportunity to voice these types of things i guess is what i'm trying to ask mm. yeah thanks for asking uh the minnesota hemp industry is trying to build back better and there's been two meetings this month and we're in January, so that's a good sign. I don't think we'll have two meetings every month, but the legislate, legislative session is starting on January 31st. And so this semester, this, this first half of the year is going to be more legislative focused and people are gonna to wanna to know updates and some people have lobbyists, some people don't have lobbyists. Um, but Canna MN throws events and we were going to do, we were going to throw a Super Bowl event, but now Minneapolis has a mask mandate at bars and restaurants. And so I'm not sure. And it's also really, really, really cold out. So I'm not sure if we're going to throw any more events, but besides that, I'm working on an event in May with, this dude from Boston and Gary Vaynerchuk is throwing his V friends NFT conference in Minneapolis in May. And he's throwing it at us bank stadium, which is a, a newer model spaceship, <laughs> but <laughs> we're, we're going to throw like a can of MN party the night before this, um, three-day conference kicks off and I didn't even know about it, but apparently Gary V sold 10,000 NFTs or something crazy like that. And so yeah. if you have an NFT from Gary V, you have access to this conference. Um, and so this dude, Matt Soares, Matt Soares, he's going to be helping organize it. And we want to like have a conversation with people about how the cannabis industry can benefit from using NFTs and a token system. And um, that's, that's one of the events I'll, I'm sure I'll do something before then, but we're, we're a media and events company and we were throwing like Halloween parties and Christmas parties. We wanted to do a Valentine's day party and I still might pull it off, but I got to get my shit together if I do that. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, that's crazy. I think I need more mushrooms to understand uh, NFTs um, still. I... <laughs> yeah. You know, Victor Victor Chaus almost got me on the the NFTs, um, but uh, I'm referencing South Park. If you haven't seen, uh, so Butters, he's... I went back to I went back to the March like vaccine episode, but I felt like it didn't age that well. So I'm looking for new South Park. Oh yeah, well they've just. Uh released like the covid special and the post covid special i think uh, they're on hbo and i don't matt and dre pay us royalties every time we uh mention <laughs> south park on the show i'm just joking let me um, ask you let me ask you this are you does the future of chillinoise include sponsors or what's your monetization do you have any approach to that that you're considering um no, not really. Not really. Mm -hmm. 
not at all. We spend a lot of money here. Um, we haven't made much much money. Uh, one thing I'm thinking about putting on the website soon. I got to sit down and work on the website as uh, just a donate button. You know, because the mm-hmm. thing is, like, I don't want to. I don't have. We did the shirts, and a lot of people bought them, and it was cool and stuff. But, um, and we may do shirts again. But really, I just, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't like to sell people stuff, and uh, even if it's good stuff, like we we vetted the shirts, and they're fucking awesome. And we're giving away shirts, by the way, folks. If you want to enter to win Chillinoy shirts that were signed by Tommy Chong, just go to chillinoynet slash Chong, and you can Word. enter to win. Do it before. February 14th. I'm giving you guys plenty of time to enter. And it doesn't matter where you're from. If you're listening from Minnesota right now, enter to win. We're giving away shirts of all sizes. But anyways, uh, you know, just to answer your question, I don't know. I don't I'm not in it for the money. Um, but but what I am gonna try to do is if people feel so inclined in the future, they can donate. Um, so I mean, that's my that's my bread and butter. So like eventually I'm gonna think about that because if I grow my business, like right now, I don't want to grow with a podcast. I'm only going to do. Blog. I was going to ask you, man, why don't you do a podcast? Because there's so much work and like, I'm not good enough to monetize a podcast. Like I love listening to podcasts. I'm addicted to podcasts more than music now, which is sad because I used to love music so much. And the DSPs just kind of changed how you find music, like kind of going back to what I was saying about marijuana moment. Like, I think you should support their Patreon. I should also support my local public radio station because the amount of new music that I find on 89.3, the current is badass. Like no radio station hits like that one does in the, in the local market. So we have to support independent journalism, independent research. And that's why, you know, I'm not afraid to like tell you that, you know, your brand could be bigger, right? Because you're providing value to, you know, your listeners. I I'm like, how many years have you been podcasting? Uh, like I think a year or two. Yeah. You're still in that early stage. And like the, the nice thing is, is you've, recorded so much content like that's like unbelievable man congratulations thank you man thank you and i appreciate like the spirit of uh your you know what you're bringing up too words so you know like like you said you feel like chillinoy has that potential and, and such that means a lot so yeah because i mean can i mn like i'm doing a similar thing but it's just different you know like the way I came into it, the way you came into it is just a different path. And the way the company was set up was media and events. And so with events and meetups, you know, like people really like that stuff. Um, And they're willing to drive like a couple hours even. So it's good stuff. Like I'm a big believer in, in real life and just like finding opportunities to support each other because like, it's just more fun that way when you can trust someone's product and they can, and they can trust your product. And we're seeing a lot of, you know, connectedness now this year in the Minnesota hemp industry. So 
hopefully we can continue that momentum throughout 2022. And, and if it has to get to a city level, if the state is just not going to act or be a good actor, like one option is to, to get C CBDs to, I'm sorry, to get cities to create uh, CBD licenses for CBD stores, yeah. right? So like we're willing to accept some regulation, but don't cut out the CBD, the local Minnesota CBD industry by favoring the medical marijuana industry with two licenses. And one of them is a conglomerate that used to be a uranium company that, you know, fuck GTI. And it's just not fair. So like we have to protect the ability to sell CBD and, and if we have to give up Delta eight, like some people are going to cry about it, but like the the private business is always ahead of government when it comes to regulation. And with all of our conversations around minor cannabinoids, there's always going to be a new cannabinoid to research and to bring to light. Although we'd rather have Delta nine, but I also could think, and this is a little harsh, but Delta nine can create a lazy cannabis consumer unless they fully understand terpenes, minor cannabinoids, and the entourage effect. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I've never, I'll have to look into that. I've never heard of GTI, like you, you said it and stuff. I've never heard of the, the, the uranium thing with GTI, but I have, I have heard, I think Daniel Corral said it on either our show or on um, cannabis legalization news that they have some sort of um, relation with uh, an alcohol company that just started selling after prohibition or something like that. I, maybe no, Daniel, Daniel Corral said it, he said it, that's where I found it. So shout out to Daniel Corral. I've never met him. Uh, I appreciate what he's done. I, do you know where he's at? I have not talked to Daniel in a while. I have to connect with him sometime and see what he's up to nowadays, but no, I, I do. I do not. Okay. Word. Yeah. The, the Instagram that he was connected to is no longer online. The company you're referring to though, is one of the, I think the founder or the current CEO of GTI came from the beam family. That's the story you're trying to think of the gym. Um, beam yes. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. That, and then that's... the other guy, the other guy's a restaurateur family out of Chicago. Like, like Chicago's got a reputation for shady politics and now they're bringing it to Minnesota. And that's the whole thing is like, well, let's educate the consumer base as fast as possible so that CBD doesn't get swept, uh, doesn't get the rug pulled out underneath them. Yeah. Well, man, keep, uh, keep spreading the good word and, uh, you know, let us know if we can do anything to help uh, spread that awareness. We'd love to have you on anytime. And uh, we'll throw some of your social media um, handles in the podcast description uh, so that folks can follow um, you on social media and, and some of the organizations or, or what have you that you support the groups. I don't want to say organizations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Follow Steve, the hemp guy, Canna MN. And then my apparel stuff is under OG hemp goods and OG hemp hats. And uh, yeah, shout out to the people in Minnesota that are doing the good work and, and shout out to Illinois, shout out to Wisconsin. Thanks for having me, Cole. <laughs> Absolutely. So Illinois, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, connect with Steve online. And uh, once again, all that stuff will be in the show notes uh, so that if that makes it easier on you, uh, 
yeah, check out the show notes and you'll get, get right there. So we'll see you next time, everybody on the Chillinoy podcast.